Well, you ever been surprised at the fine print on something? I'm always surprised at the fine print that uh, many of us are guilty of not reading. You know, every ad, every special that you see in the newspaper, on TV, you know, if you read at the bottom of the screen, it says what? WAC, with approved credit. Or with 15% down. Or with a $9,000 balloon payment at the end. Or 0% APR if you get it all paid off in that, in that 12 months. If not, we're going to charge you every interest you should have paid the entire term of, of the payment plan. You know, Carrie and I fell for that one time with Great Wolf Lodge. Uh, back in, man, this was how many years ago? Three years ago now? We made plans. We were going to go to the new Great Wolf Lodge in Colorado Springs on our way to Lake City. Then my sister moved to Texas, and Shiloh wanted to see Aunt Kim. So we called up there to cancel it to, uh, to come here to see her. And they called. I called on the phone, and they said, well, we're sorry. Uh, well, if you cancel, you have to uh, <laughs> pay all of it. You don't get a refund. We were eight months out. You don't get a refund. It's a special rate that whenever you get it, you pay for it, and, and you don't get your money back. Okay, well, fine. If I can't get my money back, can I at least transfer it over to, to Dallas? Because that's where I live. I don't live in Colorado. Well, technically, you've paid the money to us here in Colorado, so we're not supposed to do that. And I was like, look. And so finally, they transferred it to Dallas, and then we just kept kicking it down the road and kept kicking it down the road and kept kicking it down the road. We changed the date four times because they wouldn't give us our money back. That's the, you know, that's the special rate. Once you've, and it was a... Our deposit for that room was $278. You'll lose your deposit. No, I'm not. I ain't losing that deposit. Well, and we just kept kicking it down the road, and finally we, we went and did it. That, that's the, the fine print that we don't read sometimes. You know, in, in our Internet age, it's, it's even worse, right? Because you log on to something and you say, there's this checkbox that says, I have read the EULA agreement. And most of us just go, click, and we go along. You may have sold your soul to the devil, and you don't know because you just clicked the checkbox. Yes, I agree. It sounds like a good deal. You know, as we continue in our series this week, Follow Me, we encounter a young man who lived with the same misunderstanding as many in his day. Uh, we're in Matthew 19 this morning. Um, Jesus is, is nearing the end of his earthly ministry. He has uh, developed quite a following at this point. There are people who, besides the twelve, who call themselves disciples. Um, and so here he is, going on about his business like he always does, teaching, blessing, healing. And there in Matthew 19, starting in verse 16, we find our text for this morning. And it says, Just then, someone came up and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Why do you call me good? He said to him, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he asked him. And Jesus answered, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. I have kept all of these, the young man said. What do I if you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, go sell your belongings and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard that command, 
He went away grieving because he had many possessions. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as the vessel. May the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you for loving us today. And we ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people said. The situation at hand here is it's kind of a crazy one, but it's one that I, I could see playing out here even today. This man's a good religious Jew. He's a good religious member of the house of Israel. You know, here he is living his life like he's supposed to live. And he comes to Jesus seeking answers of eternal life. What he's looking for is a confirmation that he is living a good life. I've lived by the law. I've done the things I need to do by the law. I've kept it to the best of my abilities. So he says, Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know, why do you call me good? There's only one that's good, and that's God. But, well, if you want to enter into eternal life, keep the commandments. And the guy said, which one? Which one's Jesus? And Jesus lists five of the six commandments that deal with human relationship. All of them deal with human relationship. He doesn't talk about uh, the ones that say you have one God or adultery. He just says don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your mother and father. And then he adds, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says if you want to be perfect though, if you want to be perfect, sell everything you own and give it to the poor. And then, come follow me. Woo! Everything? Everything. All of it? All of it. Can I keep this? No, all of it. You know, following Jesus sometimes demands more than our religious systems tell us. You know... Some people, there used to be a checklist. I don't know if we had those envelopes around here. I haven't seen them. There used to be envelopes at Sunday school with a checklist on them, right? I'm here today. I've read my lesson. I have my Bible. I have my offering. I've done everything I need to do. Woo, I'm good. And there are some people who literally believed that meant they were ready for heaven, that I checked all the boxes off. It's a checklist. It's something that I have to do. There are some people who believe if I go to church every time the doors are open, I'm going to heaven because that's what it takes. There are some people who do those things, but the truth of the matter is I can sit in a garage all day long, but it doesn't make me a car. <laughs> Sitting in a pew doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a believer. Sometimes following Jesus requires or demands more of us then our religious systems tell us he'd kept the commandments, or so he said. He truly believed he'd kept the commandments. He truly believed that. You know, there's no doubt this guy thought, yeah, I hadn't done any of those things. I've, I've never murdered anybody. I don't steal. I've never bared false witness against someone. I, I honor my mother and father. I do all of those things, Jesus. I've got it made. And Jesus says, well, then if you want to be perfect, sell what you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. You know, it's, it's easy to write off the harder teachings of Jesus, right? Jesus didn't really mean that. You know, have you ever heard that said? Jesus didn't, doesn't really want us to sell everything we own. To, that's, that, that's, there's got to be some interpretation there, right, Brother Troy? Why? Why does there have to be interpretation? 
He told this man, come follow me. Sell everything, come follow me. He told other people that they would have no place to lay their head. They would have nothing else. Why would we think here that we need to take this and say, well, he really didn't mean that? No, he really meant that. He really said to this man, go and sell everything. Go and sell it and come back and follow me. What? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if that's what Jesus calls you to do, especially if you are a rich, young man? This guy is rich. It says he went away sad, right? Because so often, possessions and wealth are many times the main thing that keep us from a deep relationship with Jesus. He went away sad because he had many things. Whew. Jesus, um, I can give up most of it, but um, I've got this camel. I don't know what he would have, I'm guessing. I've got this camel that's really special to me. I don't want to sell it. Can I keep it? Sell it all. Give it to the poor and come follow me. Maybe for you, it's not sell everything. Maybe it's, um, hey, you know, you've got this television. You've got this car. You've got this, I don't know, you fill in the blank, that you really don't need, that you need to get rid of. Sell it, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And we go, but, but, but Jesus, you know, should I say this? Okay. Let me think. Come on. Uh, woo! Okay. There are some times that I've seen people in churches who um, will have a fellowship, and I'll bring all my food every time in a disposable pan. The reason being, it's not coming home with me. I was in a church one time where they washed the disposable pans and stored them in the cabinet. Because we might need them at some point. We do that with our things sometimes too, right? How many of us have cabinets at home with things we won't get rid of because we might use it someday? My mama, I love my mama. I was a mama's boy, but my mama, ooh, she had a storage building. And one day, we pulled up to the storage building. Well, she didn't know I was doing this. Uh, we pulled up to the storage building and started going through the boxes. She had crates from C.D. Hardnett. Crates full of stuff. There was shampoo in there that had expired 15 years before. There was medicine that was older than my sister. I was like, Mama, we got to get rid of this. But I might use it sometime. It was a crutch that she had. Oftentimes, possessions and wealth are those things that make us go, but, but, but this gives me security. If I can hold on to this, I'm secure. I know what's going to happen. I, I have this security here. Jesus doesn't say it's impossible for someone to have wealth and follow him. But he says it's really, 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 really hard. Because, in fact, the next passage, he says to his disciples, it will be easier... For a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, when I was a kid, I was thinking, whoo, that is impossible. That's not what he means. When you walked up to the city, there was a gate that the people walked through, and there was a little bitty, bitty, bitty hole down here that the camel had to get down on its legs and crawl through. It was a very difficult thing for the camel to do. Things had to be moved off of it. 
It had to be moved around. It wasn't impossible, but it wasn't something anybody liked to do. So when Jesus says that it's hard, he doesn't say it's impossible. He says it's difficult. Because the truth is wealth is the natural enemy of faith. It just is. When you have everything you need, you need nothing. But when you have nothing, you need everything. It's amazing when we find Jesus talking in the Scriptures about the poor because they're always the one who are blessed. You ever felt blessed when the ends didn't come together? That's not usually how I feel. I'm being honest, and I read those Scriptures, and I go, Jesus, what are you talking about? Um, that bill's going to be late because I didn't, the ends didn't come together, and I'm just waiting, Jesus, and I don't know. We don't usually feel that way, but Jesus says the poor are blessed. Why are they blessed? Because when you're poor, when you don't have all of your needs, you have to wait on Jesus to supply your needs. I mean, that's just the truth. When you have everything, it's so, well, I can just go get that. I can just go do that. I can just, I can do what I need to do. And, and then we go, oh, well, why isn't their faith very strong? Well, they haven't ever had to have faith. The largest growing demographic in the world in Christianity are poor people in the third world. The center of Christianity is no longer the United States. It's over there. Why? Because in America, whether we're the poorest of the poor or the richest of the rich, we're spoiled. I know, we don't like hearing that, but we are. Because we have everything. You know, we've got a roof over our head. We've got food in our bellies. You know, I'm selling a TV. I got an extra TV. Really? I mean, honestly... When you, when you have extra, when you have those things, it, it's, it's the idea here of saying, okay, i got to have faith. When Carrie and I left Chillicothe, it um, wasn't the greatest circumstance, but we left. We packed everything we owned into what we drove then. It was a Nissan Altima. So we, we, uh, <laughs> we, okay. We had like five things we had rented a building for, and it was a special. So I got three months for the price of one. So I paid 40 bucks for a building for three months, and I put two pieces of furniture in it and everything else in our car, and we got in the car and left. And I remember a deacon at another church stopping me and said, you can't do that. What other choice do I have right now? I've got no place to be. I've got nowhere to go, and God's telling me to move. So let's move. That was very eye-opening for me. Because even, even when I was on my own as a, as a young adult, most of you parents in here are looking at me and going, yeah, I know, they're never on their own, you know. You're never on your own, right? Mama was always there. You know, if my car broke down, I would pick up the phone and say, Mama, this hunk of junk that you gave me is falling apart again. And she'd send me money to fix it. Mama, I need to go to the doctor. She'd send me money to go to the doctor. Mama, 
I need groceries. She'd give me groceries. You know, I always had that. But nine months or six months before we left Chillicothe, Mama died. Mama died. So when we packed that car up and we got in it, I didn't have the mama safety net anymore. Everything that we had, we had to say, okay, God. And that taught me something about faith. It taught me something about, about trusting in God for everything that we do. Because if we don't wait, and if we don't let God do it, sometimes our faith, it's like a muscle. If we don't work it out, it atrophies. You know, wealth is the natural enemy here. So he says, the, the disciples are even going, how can a wealthy person enter the kingdom of heaven then, Jesus? Well, they got to learn that their wealth is something else. That their wealth isn't where they put their trust and their faith and their security. So often, we have to realize that Jesus must be the most important thing or person in our life. Our wealth is given to us by God to be used for God's glory. That was the point that Jesus was making to the young man. It wasn't that, oh man, you need to be poor. It was that, yes, it's easy for you to follow the commandments when you have a safety net. It's easy for you to do all the right things when you have a safety net. Because look at these things he said to do. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness. Honor your mother and father. One of my favorite books, plays, Broadway musicals, Les Miserables. I love Les Miserables. And I love the story in Les Miserables. Anybody ever seen Les Miserables? Am I the only one here? Um, so, so should, I sing it? should I sing the whole opera to him now? I mean, you know. There's a man by the name of Jean Valjean who lives with his sister and her children, and they are poor. And this happens in France before the revolution. And they have no money, and the kids are hungry, and he breaks into a bakery and steals a loaf of bread. Because his nephews and nieces were hungry. It's very easy for the rich young ruler to say, yeah, I never murdered anybody. I've never stolen anything. I've never, I've never borne false witness. He didn't have to. He had everything he ever needed. But in Les Miserables, you see the other side of that. The man who didn't have anything. And he stole a piece of bread. And it was wrong. And he knows it was wrong. But then they take him to prison. And then he tries to escape. And all these escape attempts. And he ends up spending like 30 years in prison. He ends up spending a long time in prison for stealing a loaf of bread. And this story is the story of his redemption. His, his redemption through, through Jesus, through the church. And him finding how to give grace and mercy to those who won't, wouldn't give him grace and mercy. Jesus has to be the most important thing. He said, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. In Matthew 6, we're told, do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. So he says, if you sell your stuff and give it to you, you'll have treasure in heaven. 
You know, when, when, when we get there, you, it's all taken care of. I'm just storing all my treasures in heaven. I'm going to be a millionaire when I get there. I mean, I'll be here. I'm a millionaire when I get there. That's the, that's the, that's the crazy thing here. Because this rich young ruler is going, but, but Jesus, I'm, I'm rich here. I've got it here. I already have it. Do I need it there? Why won't what I have here just carry over there? I mean, <laughs> you, can't, you can't take your things with you. You can't take it with you, ever. It's, it's not possible. And so here the Shia Chung ruler is going, okay. And so the disciples asked him, well, how do you get there then? Well, how do we do that? We have to use the wealth that God blesses us with in ways that help others and bring him glory. He said, there is reward in heaven for those who give up wealth here to follow Jesus. There's reward there. So if you, if you don't have it here, you're going to have it there if you're following him with what he's given you. But we shouldn't follow Jesus to receive material reward. Now there is a perverted theology out there that says... I give so that Jesus will give back. <laughs> hmm. nah, it's not quite what I read, but okay. I give so that Jesus will give back. Man, if I give 10%, he's going to give it back to me a hundredfold. And he might, but he's pretty clear that's probably going to be in heaven. You'll get it a hundredfold when you get there. And I'm not saying he won't bless us materially here, but we don't give just so we can get back. That's not really giving, is it? The problem that happens at, at Christmas, this is, this is a Christmas problem. <laughs> Office Christmas parties and things like that. We always give gifts, or we receive gifts, and we go, oh, I need to buy them something now, because they gave me a gift. Well, then that ain't a gift. If I've got to buy them something that's not a gift, that becomes a trade. That becomes a barter. That becomes something else. What we have here is that we, we shouldn't be doing these things to receive material. We're not bartering with Jesus. We're not saying, Jesus, okay, I'll give you 10% every week if you'll give me 100 times back. That's not why we do the things we do. That's not why we give. That's not why we follow Jesus. We don't follow Jesus to get rich. Now, there are some out there who would tell you to do that. If you follow Jesus, he wants you to drive a Mercedes. I'm waiting on mine. It's not there yet. Uh, he wants you to have lots and lots and lots of money. He wants you to have a great big house and a great big jet and everything else. And he may bless you that way. But it's not because you gave better than somebody else did. It's because Jesus sends his reign on the just and on the unjust. Some people have that and some people don't. You know, a few hundred years ago you had serfs and vassals and you had royalty. And it only happened because of who you were born to. No other reason. If you were born royalty, you stayed royalty. If you were born a servant, you stayed a servant. That's the way it was. That's what it meant. We shouldn't follow to receive material reward because what Jesus tells us and promises us in Scripture is that there are many who are first who will be last and many who are last will be first. We're not doing this to... For Jesus to give me more. Jesus, just give me more. One of the stories, and I didn't get to talk about it in the Bible readings, 
But back in Genesis, you have uh, Jacob, and he's there on his way out of town. And he stops, and he has the dream, and he says to God, God, if you will, then when I get back, I'll worship you. No. We follow God and worship God because God is God and He's given so much for us. I heard about a couple one time. I did not know them personally, but my professor did, who <laughs> they believed that they were predestined to go to hell. But they went to church anyway because God is God and He chose and He was deserved to be praised. I think they're going to be surprised one of these days. <laughs> when they wake up in heaven. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where we kind of get confused and we get, kind of get tongue-tied and we kind of get turned around on, on the things that are true in life. We should not follow to receive material reward. We shouldn't follow because, oh, it makes, the, or even if it makes us look good, material reward could even be that pat on the back. It could be that, that thing that makes us feel good. So what did Jesus say about that? You already have your reward? Man. I'm always so awkward when somebody says something to me that's, oh, good job. Well, that, that uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Why? Because I don't know. Because if I'm honest, you can ask Carrie. Maybe I'm not honest. I don't know. Most Sundays I go home and I go, boy, that was horrible. Why did I say that? And she's like, what are you talking about? Did you not listen? You didn't listen. It's your fault. so easy to follow when we think there's a reward we're going to get. It's easy for me to say to my kids, well, if you'll be good, I'll get you a candy bar. And it's easier for them to be good because they know a candy bar's coming, right? We're setting ourselves up for a disaster with that, I'm just telling you now. But it's easier. Uh, you know, I'm not going to stand up here and say, you know, if you'll just do this, Jesus is going to just open the floodgates and give you everything you want. It's easy to grow a congregation that way. But I don't think it's biblical. Following Jesus isn't about the reward we get here. It's not about how we look or anything else. It's about Jesus being the most important thing in our life. Jesus was asking that rich young ruler, okay, am I more important than your things? There's a lesson that, that I'm learning as a parent, and I fail horribly at it sometimes. But it's that lesson to quit always saying no. Daddy, will you go push me on the swing? Daddy, will you watch Ninjago with me? Daddy, will you do this? And it's so easy to say, man, I'm busy right now. Give me a few minutes. But then a few minutes becomes a few hours, and a few hours becomes bedtime. Jesus 
is talking to this young man and he's saying, okay, I want you to show that relationship to me. Go and sell everything. And then come be with me. Spend time with me. It's what Jesus wants. How often do we do that to Jesus? He looks at us. He says, Carrie, come spend time with me. Can't stop what you're doing and talk to me. It's so easy to say, but, but Jesus, um, I'm doing this. G- give me a little while. And the kids come running in and they need something. And then the house has to be cleaned. And then we're turning off the lights to go to bed or we fall asleep in Micah's room because she won't let you go. Um, those things happen. The rich young ruler, his answer was, just come follow me. Make me the most important thing in your life. What's the most important thing in your life today? Is it Jesus? Or is it something else? Because it's so easy. Because it is hard for me. I'll tell you where my idol is sometimes. The idol that I have to fight against. I love them. Shiloh and Micah. Because I want to pour my energy and my thoughts into them. And God says, wait a minute, I'm over here. I've given them to you to take care of but they cannot be more important than me. And that's hard, right? Right, mom and dad? Right, grandma and grandpa? That's hard. It's hard. And Jesus says, am I the most important thing in your life? Maybe this morning you've been struggling with making Jesus the most important. Maybe you've been struggling to say, you know what, I'm going to do what I need to do to follow Jesus and Jesus wants me to be, and then something goes, whoop! You're like the dog on up. Squirrel! Because something takes your mind off of it. Maybe that's you today. Now's the day to rededicate your time and say, okay, Jesus, you are the most important thing. Where do you want me? Maybe just one you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to surrender to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. But maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken the step to say to the one who died for your sins, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to wash me clean. Now's the time to do it. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised five minutes from now. We're promised this moment right now. So in this moment, give it to him. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give him your needs. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessing. Father, I thank you right now for, for loving me. I thank you for everything that you give us, Father. Father, take this time. Use it for your glory, Father. Make every need known. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. Amen. Amen.